Welcome to the Truth to Power Show on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, Vijar Nathan. And with us today is co-host Colt Mallison. Welcome, Colt. Hey, welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you, thank you. So, um, let's see. So today's uh, Father's Day. We're celebrating. Um, so, uh, you know, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, we should have our guests coming on in a few minutes. Uh, meanwhile, I'll just give an introduction. Helena is the founder of Wellness Business Academy and serves the community as a wellness success coach with 15 years of experience helping working professionals find work-life balance, collectively increasing their productivity and quality of life by prioritizing their needs and wants um, through small lifestyle changes, licensed and certified in yoga, meditation, plant-based nutrition, massage, and aromatherapy. She's taught 800-plus workshops that have educated hundreds of people on how to regain their health, mental clarity, and peace of mind through building healthy habits. Join her for 30 days of mindfulness and meditation at her website, uh, hellohelena.com. Her podcast, Wellness at Work, shares exclusive interviews with creatives on how they balance their work, life, and home. Helena is a mother, daughter, wife, and sister. Connect with her on Instagram at hellohelena. Uh, hellohelena. That's H-E-L-A-N-A-H. So now, yeah, so talking about wellness and all that, that's really, that's really important for all creatives, uh, to, uh, explore. So maybe we'll explore a little bit of that, uh, before we get our, our guest on. Uh, you know, I think, um, you know, just making sure that we're all kind of aligned, especially during these, uh, especially during the past year of, uh, adjustment and trying to, Figure out where we're, where, where we as a society are going. And there's a lot, been a lot of questions about that. Um, yeah, a lot of anxiety and a lot of things going on. But, um, for us, we're connected. Me and VJ are in the studio and we're connecting with someone on, on Zoom. So sometimes there's technical difficulties, but. So, yeah. So speaking of my own work, I guess we can start talking a little bit of my own work. Um, you know, I wrote uh, a book called Escape from Samsara, which is poems about, um, my experiences and, visions and dreams, uh, and, and life experience memories. And then, uh, followed it up with, uh, a book called Celebrity Sadhana, which took the, the, um, examining eye to celebrities and, and the kind of collective narrative we have in our society. Um, yeah. And then, um, so that's been good. Yeah. And you're, you're working on a, a new poetry collection, right? Yeah, yeah. I have a new poetry collection called Breakdown Dancer, which is about wellness challenges, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So now, um, yeah, Zoom has been such an amazing thing for us this past year or so. I mean, like, I know it's been around before that, but they're pretty much prepared in the zeitgeist of our cultural, uh, cultural movements to, uh, uh, poise and poised for this moment. Did, 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 do you remember that play that we went to like before the pandemic that was about uh, it was about Amazon and like you oh, know, yeah, what yeah. was the name of that, that play like bro, it, it was like a bro uh, from another planet or something or not? Some, no uh, it was yeah. uh, me and you saw it I think it was um it was like Amazon delivery the apocalypse and oh like, yeah, so. yeah yeah I remember now yeah I, I forget what it's called but it was uh it was from a Vassagrad I think from uh um one year lease had done it when you're at least I think it produced it, um, uh, Vassagrad, some people at my old college, um, had produced the play and it was about like, uh, how like, uh, androids and 
uh, and all this kind of thing, and like the 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 robot come to life. Yeah, I remember that part of it was like uh, people were stuck in their apartments because there's war and apocalypse, and like Amazon would deliver. Yeah, <laughs> the same day. So it's kinda... so much joking about the Amazon drones, you know, yeah. about the the. Uh, I even I just saw the, the the show Inside by Bo Burnham, where he makes some jokes about Amazon uh, drones and all that. Um, but yeah, I guess it's just the pandemic was awful and long but I, I imagine if it was 20 years ago before we had this technology it would have been yeah worse in my opinion but uh, yeah check out the radio for Brooklyn website they have a lot of shows and a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff is all the shows are archived on there and um yeah it's a pretty pretty good thing it's uh you can stream it on your tv too so like i have i got a brand new sound system on tv and um it's this technology is crazy how you can just with bluetooth you can connect it to everything so it's interesting how this is, uh, yeah. yeah, how progress, you know, as progressing technology is just getting easier and easier, but there's still some technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah. Technology has made life so much easier, but at the same time, there's always some kind of snafu, mm. some kind of problem all the time. Okay. I guess we always kind of said like, if, if we have, problems will interview you yeah and uh my new my new uh collection breakdown dancer basically deals with wellness um, issues as well as uh you know romance and failed romances those kind of thing so like love and breakups and breakdowns uh so it's been it's always been interesting to explore how the heart feels and where the heart goes uh when uh when put in distress now with poetry, how much is it based on your own life? Like, I guess, or your own interests and, um, you know, like are the romance breakups, are they based on your own experience or are they kind of just yeah, universal? Yeah, they're inspired by real life occurrences. And uh, as they say, uh, poets uh, lie their way to the truth, <laughs> as they say. I think uh, that's the phrase of their poets. Something about like, um, you, know, you don't always have to keep to the facts, but you have to like tell the truth, the truth of the moment, the truth of the, the deeper truth. That's uh, being explored there, um, so hopefully we can uh, we can uh, the reader will understand what the truth the truth of the matter is, what the truth of the heart is, rather than just like being slave to fact or what actually happened. Because I think ultimately, you know, um, our reality is created by our minds. You know, our minds we co-create this reality. So we kind of think of things as being factual or not factual, but uh, actually, there's a much more gray area there than we realize you know so and um your um your second one celebrity said how's it pronounced the, the last sadhana sadhana it's kind of spiritual and buddhist and stuff and um yeah. i believe you grew up hindu and you 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 changed to buddhism right yeah i mean well yeah. Like, sort of yeah my, my parents were followers of a guru mm-hmm. and we were kind of basically hindu we were followed of a guru sati sai baba who mm-hmm. was a uh uh, a guru in India who lived uh, until I think I think he passed away in 2011. Um, uh, I remember it was right around the time that Osama bin Laden was killed. It was like within a week of that. So okay. whenever that 2011 2012. Um, and then uh, uh, Sathya Baba basically preached the unity of all religions, and but he basically gave a a uh, primer on Hinduism, like the Vedas and all this kind of stuff, and he did he preached a little bit of a of a mix of, of different uh, Eastern traditions. Okay. 
So, uh, so then I, I finally found Buddhism to be most easiest to understand. Okay. Uh, for me, at least easiest to practice, easiest to understand, most simple, simple, uh, presentation of the truth, you know? I think many, many religious traditions, many spiritual traditions have their own inroad into the truth. Uh, and, you know, there's ultimately, uh, you know, we can find our, our meaning in life through any, any given religious tradition, any given spiritual tradition, or even on your own. But, um, at the same time, I think for me, at least Kanapa Buddhism has helped me kind of directly in, in the language I understand, you know, in English and in kind of the, the, the cultural references and all this kind of thing. Uh, you know, the presentation has been very easy for me to understand and kind of implement, you know. So is that kind of the, the theme of the show, the truth to power is kind of based on, on some of the learnings you, you've, you've, uh, accumulated over your lifetime or? Yeah. Just having spiritual? conversations about where truth is, how we find truth and how it can empower us. I think a lot of times we get confused by the narrative of, uh, you know, truth to power being about other people, about people in power, right. about people in, in established and people established power. But rather, we think about our own truth and how it can empower us. I think is the most thing. I think we got Helena. Oh, here. okay, great. Yeah, Helena. <laughs> hi, this is Helena. Helena. Okay, hi. Good, good. I already gave you an introduction. Um, your bio. So we were just talking about a little bit about uh, spiritual traditions, about the different influencing factors of philosophies and how uh and how we can find our empowerment uh with finding truth and finding um finding what well, yeah like we matt uh, colt malison was just asking me about uh whether or not some of my writings are based on facts or or deeper truths and i was saying how poets lie their way to the truth you know so uh thinking about truth and thinking about uh how um how we can how we can how we can uh realize that mm, interesting yeah and i know yeah. you're you're very interested in mental wellness as well and how we can kind of discover our truth through meditation through, through yoga through practice all this kind of thing if you'd like to comment on that mm-hmm. yeah i you know i would I, i'm not sure what you spoke about already but i would add to that um you know truth just is it doesn't often need validation and even sometimes explanation i think it's deeply connected to intuition and flow and for me it's an uh, it's a practice in honesty mm-hmm. right and i think so much of our community so much of our society so much of capitalism even expects us to tell an untruth whether it's to other people or to ourselves or to present a facade or, you know, kind of this, this representation and the true, honest, authentic part of ourselves feels it needs to hide. And what I've learned is that actually we learn some of these things from childhood. You know, we look at children and babies and we imagine that they don't know anything, that they don't have any neat desires. They don't know what they need. Right. And so from a very young age, they ask questions. We say, this is the answer to this because I said so. We exert authority. And we don't always make space to consider that even a baby's cry is a form of communication. Even a baby's crawl is a form of communication. And I think if we were to do that, we would allow children 
ourselves, our parents, you know, our parents' parents and the children that are yet to be here, an opportunity to discover their own truth at a younger age. And I think it would make it a lot easier to express that truth, to find that truth and to kind of live in that, um, you know, at 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 an adult age. Yeah. And I was just talking to someone the other day about the um, movement and we were discussing the movement and pronouns, the movement and you know, establishing pronouns, establishing a pronoun for, for those people is, you know, 1% of the population that uh, is, uh, you know, kind of exploring their gender uh, identity and kind of coming to new realizations about that. And the discussion was getting a little heated, but, you know, kind of we were just expressing ourselves. But I think it's important to understand one thing I came out of that conversation or the one of the takeaways of the conversation is that even at the very young age, we all understand who we are. We have a deep understanding of our sexual orientation of our gender identity, uh, like two and three years old, even we have this deep understanding of who we are because we're the ones who are the authority in who we are, you know? Mm. It, it, it's really, um, really fascinating to imagine how much uh, growth and development happens in the baby's brain from birth, you know, through age one, two, three, four, five, and, and even beyond into, into adolescence. Um, and so to your point about discovering your identity, um, there's kind of like a nurture versus nature debate at play, right? There's this aspect of kind of your genetic code as part of that identity, what you literally were born with. Um, and then what is developed around you, you know, the environment, um, the, the, the education, the attention, the emotional, you know, support, things like that. Um, and so, I remember in high school doing a debate on on that conversation of nature versus nurture. Do you become who you were destined to be by your genetics or do you become what your environment creates? And it's, it's literally both, right? Because whether you're looking at a scientific ailment, right? You know, maybe you have a strain of alcoholism in your family, right? And you're born with that and you live in an environment where that is prevalent in your home and then you make a very conscious decision, you know, not to become an alcoholic, right? It's, it's like, okay, well, the nature played a role in you choosing to go against your, your nurturing, you know, kind of space. Um, at the same, in the same regard, you could very well, you know, come from a background where you don't have access to much education, you don't have access, you know, to, to some of the things that it would take to thrive in a capitalist society and become, you know, an incredible bootstrapping millionaire, right? And so I think we are given a lot of choices in life. We have a lot of personal will. Um, we have a lot of opportunities and, and decisions to make. And I think one of the things that I think from childhood is really important is for us to nurture the young people around us to know how to make their own decisions, not to rely so much on calling mom or calling, you know, their best friend or calling their dad or whomever um, as an opportunity to lean on what everybody else thinks I should do, but really, truly supporting people when they do things that you don't agree with, you know, or, mm-hmm. or you know, when they go up, take a path that you're not familiar with and encouraging and supporting, supporting one another so that you don't have to have this midlife crisis or this quarter life crisis or whatever, where you're like, who am I? Right. We can start to instill those, those things into each other at a younger age. And I think it would make for a much better society. Yeah. yeah. And also I picked up on the idea that now there's a way, Awakening in our society, we're starting to realize that the social justice themes as well as them coming out very much prominently in the conversation about how, um, you know, there's, there's all these social, socioeconomic in, in inequalities that are contributing to things that previously 
I think were internalized as being our problem or my problem or, you know, a, a kind of like I'm not good enough. And that created a lot of self-inflicted um, mental wellness challenges. But now and now we're kind of realizing that, oh, we have to kind of do things in the outward world in order to help people um, realize that the, the system itself is kind of breaking. You know, the system is broken. Um, the system itself is broken, that that's not facilitating the most um, conducive environment for self-actualization. It's, um, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, time out childhood, and it, it so depends on your upbringing, because it, it's like kids and teens are so limited until they're 18, so it really, it's, 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 it's really, you know, difference what parents can do and, like, what parents influence on their kids. It's just, it's, uh, you know, it's something good to question, like if how people are raised. You know, yeah. Mm. It, it, it's really true. It's really, really, really true. And um, you know, I I watched this movie on Netflix. I tend to kind of check out kids' movies here and there to see kind of what what are the themes <laughs> they're talking about. There's a movie on Netflix called Wish Dragon, and it's set in a Japanese society. And there's a, a young a young boy who you know is kind of of the peasant kind of ilk and uh he comes across this magical teapot and inside is a wish dragon that will grant him three wishes right and so he goes throughout the the story and and without i guess giving away the plot (laughs) but um essentially he is given the opportunity to wish for riches to wish for you know gold bars of money and piles of gold and things like that and um at the end of the movie he he kind of recognizes that um it, it, he he's somebody who values friendship and and family and loyalty and the dragon is actually like you know you should be wishing for gold like why are you not wishing for these things you, you're wishing to you know to be friends with somebody like I don't understand and he, the dragon eventually comes around to to realize that um, this young boy had everything he already needed he didn't need these piles of gold and so I think it, it really speaks a lot to the values that we have even you know globally around what people need in order to be happy and to be successful. And there's a piece in the plot where this, he falls in love with this girl and, and her father's really, really rich. And um, the uh, the gr- young girl says to the father, you know, I, all I really ever wanted was for you to be there for me. I didn't really need all these fancy schools and these fancy opportunities. I really just wanted to hang out with you. And I think as a parent to me, that reminds me so much of like how many times, you know, you may have had a, a soccer tournament or a basketball game or something. And your parent was like, Oh, I'm too busy, but I'll buy you this thing or whatever might've happened, you know, in a person's life where sometimes as adults, we, we show value when we, and we don't even realize it and we do it in our actions. Right. So it's like, okay, are we going to spend quality time? I don't know, doing a puzzle on a Friday night, making hot cocoa, or are we going to spend thousands of dollars going to Disneyland? I have nothing against either option. I'm just saying sometimes I think we show our values and we don't realize it because we're following along with what we think everybody else is doing and what we should be doing. And in, in fact, either our personal needs really aren't being met by these actions or we're not meeting the needs of those around us by, you know, doing these things that are actually not feeding either one of us. Right. And I think that there's always room to question, like, is this, is this thing I'm doing right now, what I want to do? Is it, is it of most value to what I, what I actually care about? Right. Um, and I think, you know, I have a friend whose, whose mother passed away from cancer unexpectedly and, 
you know, being Father's Day, she's valuing her father in a new way. And, and one of the things that she said to me was, you know, I thought I had so much time with my mom. I thought I had so much time, you know, because my grandmother lived to be really old and my grandfather lived to be really old. And then my mom passed away suddenly. And she's like, you know, I just I always make sure like when I'm doing something, you know, that I'm doing it with the people that I love, the people I care about. And that is actually something that, that I want to do as opposed to going along with the whims of what we think we should be doing or what society kind of makes us feel like we should. Yeah, yeah. I think a couple of things I pull out from that was also one is that, um, you know, kind of exp- also I think one, one point in meditation, we're kind of examining the narratives that we have in our life and kind of being able to act from a more present-centered uh, modality so that then we're not always kind of influenced by cross narratives. We're not kind of um, corrupted by kind of the wrong things that we don't believe in. You know, we're kind of instead of parroting, parroting, um, you know, kind of ideologies that we don't really necessarily are rooted in compassion or or deep, deep understanding. Uh, you know, we're kind of examining those or weeding out in our mind um, those things that are not helpful and discarding that so it's not helpful so that then uh, we can finally reach to a point where we're cultivating the right thoughts, the right um, kind of uh, feelings and the right uh, sensations in our body and our minds, so that then we can react in a place that is truly authentic. Uh, I think meditation is a very good tool for understanding ourselves and understanding our reactions to things. Mm. How does meditation, yeah, well, I, for you, what does meditation mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, meditation is, is, just evidence of, of breath, right? It's it's slowing down long enough, long slowing down long enough to notice something that was already happening, you know. And I think a lot of times in our lives we move so quickly, whether we're moving physically, you know, or our mind is going a million miles a minute, and 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 sometimes our mind is going super super fast, and our body is tired right? Or our body is energized and our mind is kind of foggy and sluggish. And I think meditation is a tool that allows your mind and your body to kind of come back together through the breath, right? So you can get back on the same page, find that balance within. And what I've observed is that it really does open up the gateway for more than just, you know, more productivity, right? It it allows you this opportunity to increase your actual physical health and well-being, right? You can read tons of stats on that. And it's an opportunity to really um, recenter and refocus in moments when there's a lot of stress. So when you say tool, to me, that automatically triggers like, okay, well, I have this toolkit or I have this toolbox of things I can use when I'm in a situation that's uncomfortable. And I remember, you know, working in corporate and having a stressful meeting, you know, doing all this like presentations and, and, and paperwork and being ready to go and then having to pop into the bathroom right before and do some breathing exercises, right, mm-hmm. to kind of center and bring myself back to balance. Part of my, you know, training from teaching. And it helped me so much to close those deals or even so manage anxiety, right? So I think it has both intrinsic and external, you know, kind of value. And I think it's something that's available to everybody, right? It's, it's Meditation is really slowing down long enough to notice kind of what's already happening. Um, and that can be applied to so many other situations in our lives, if, especially if you're somebody who finds you get really frustrated or heated at a moment and you deal with anger, right? Meditation can help you with that. If you're somebody who feels that you have difficulty focusing and you often can be distracted from thing to thing, right? Meditation can help you with that. If you're somebody who has an actually high blood pressure, like, you know, 
meditation can help you with that. If you have a child who is, you know, having difficulty building confidence, meditation can help with that, right? And it's it's sensibly free <laughs> and uh, something you can keep practicing. And I think it's something that um, everybody is already doing, actually. Yeah. They just maybe aren't, like, sitting down and focusing on doing that, you know? And, uh, for example, if you play video games, that's to me, like the same acts you do when you meditate, you're doing when you play video games, right? You're sitting still, you're focusing in on one thing, you're breathing intentionally, even though obviously you may be, you know, doing other things on the screen. I said, like those core pieces, like you have that, bring that to the meditation, take the game away, right? Yeah. Or if you're somebody who likes to cook, right? You know, and you're, and you're focused just on chopping those onions and putting together these masterpieces and your, your mind is totally clear on like what you're making for dinner. To me, that's a form of, of meditation. Just take away the cutlery, right? So I think it's something that's more accessible than people realize and um, something I encourage a lot of people to try. Is it something you do every day or just as needed as you're talking about like with situation based or is it something like you set out a, certain part of your day for it or is it depends yeah i do i do i do both right situation based if i'm feeling okay i really need to tap in here then i'll i'll, I'll use that um i meditate with my with my son we have a, a young a young baby um you know he meditates with us um we have a set period of time obviously before coming becoming a parent i used to meditate for you know hour two hours three hours at a time um now it's, it's definitely a different time frame so i kind of settle in and i can go a little bit deeper um i do walking meditation sometimes my husband and i will go for a walk and we just won't speak right and so instead of kind of commenting on everything that passes through our minds we literally just are like okay we're going to go for a walk you know first 10 minutes 20 minutes whatever we're not going to talk we're just going to walk together with the baby and that's a form of meditation for us, noticing, observing, allowing thoughts to come up, allowing them to pass, right? Because we may not always get to sit still and quiet in a room like we did before we became parents. Um, meditation lying down, you know, I do it sometimes before bed. Um, if I feel like I need to just really, you know, if my mind's kind of racing, aside from making lists and all that other stuff that you can try, you know, really just meditating and allowing, um, you know, like a yoga nidra, right? It's like a sleep meditation of sorts. It'll help you fall asleep. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I use it all the time. I, do, I definitely do it every day. I don't do it the same way every day mm. because my life has changed a lot and I like to be flexible with my self-care. I think that's important. I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all. So um, that's what I encourage people to do as well. Yeah, one of the memes that came to my mind that I always think about is this guy's in front of a, a, a meditation teacher and he says, I'd, I'd really love to achieve um, meditative equipoise or higher series of consciousness, but uh, I'd like to retain my... Uh, fiscal and administrative skills at the same time. I don't want to lose those. So I think it's very interesting that how, you know, at first I, I took that meme to mean that, um, kind of the joke there being that, um, you know, he'd, ha that higher stage consciousness necessarily mean that you have to abandon all these things that, that, you know, kind of like when we achieve that higher state of consciousness, we're kind of, we're unable to integrate in because we kind of deeply question, um, the, the basis of productivity. And that means we have to necessarily discard them. But I think at some level, I think we have to integrate them in, uh, you know, kind of a relearning, if you will, of our productivity ability and, and, and re-questioning of what it means to be productive. I know you did a podcast, Wellness at Work, uh, that, that I spotlight in your bio. Um, so like how, how we're able to, um, you know, be well and be, um, kind of, um, yeah, be, um, productive and questioning that. Yeah. Questioning productivity. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, kind of in my, my day job, I, I work in the digital marketing space, digital transformation space, working with a lot of um, different companies. My sweet spot is working with wellness entrepreneurs and, and, and wellness companies, helping them to tell their stories. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, that podcast was really born out of having so many conversations with working professionals around finding the work-life balance and, and how do you really like, like it's a double entendre, right? So wellness at work, meaning like, oh, how do you, you know, bring well-being into the workplace, right? And not just become transactional and be like punch in, punch out and create an environment where people want to be, right? And they can like connect with the mission and, and they want to continue to contribute their, their most valuable <laughs> asset, which is their time to whatever it is you're doing, right? And there's a second piece of it, which is like wellness at work, meaning wellness kind of in motion, and oh, wow, how do you yeah. like live it? You know, how does it move and breathe and, and change and, and grow around you as you're changing and growing too? The stuff I used to do five years ago, you know, I don't do in the same way because my life has changed. Um, so finding that balance, I think, is really important. I think we sometimes glorify grind culture. And by that, I mean, you know, I'll sleep when I die or, you know, work while they're sleeping, like these types of items. We, we say that stuff all the time, and especially in, in startup culture, whether it's a, a business or, or you're an entrepreneur or whatever. And I think it's just, gosh, I've just seen after 15 years of doing this, I've seen so many incredibly talented, amazing human beings totally burn out. Right. And whatever they had to share with the world, it didn't make it, you know, and I, I think it's so sad. And so I, I would much rather go, you know, tortoise in the hair. Like, I would much rather go at a slower pace and, and, and build a, a deeper net, net than, than build a quick wide one. Um, and I think that's how I see wellness at play is you got to figure out um, how you move and see if it's how you want to be moving. And if it's not, tweak those pieces and, and slowly kind of chip away at the block so you can start to figure out like, what do you need to have in your toolkit? Do you need to have aromatherapy, right? I mean, if, if, if you know, sm smelling lavender or smelling peppermint or what have you helps you calm down or helps you focus, there's so many different ways you can integrate that into your life, right? You can get a diffuser in your office, you know, uh, which a lot of my clients have. You can, they have these little watches you can put essential oils in and you can smell it it's on your wrist or they have these little necklaces you can put essential oils in you can lift it to your nose they have kind of little inhalers with it i mean there's so many different things you can rub it on your temples you can you know you can take a bath you can put it in an air freshener so many different things that you can do to use that so whatever the tool is whether it's aromatherapy getting massages journaling going on retreats traveling internationally having conversations with people you care about doing something uncomfortable right like whatever your thing is you can only figure out what that is if you keep doing stuff. And I think if you get settled in, oh, well, if everybody's doing yoga, yoga must be the answer to self-care and mm. try yoga. And there's lots of different types yeah. of yoga. And I've been teaching yoga for a while and I'm an advocate for it. But, you know, maybe you try, try 10, 12 different types of yoga and you're just like, ah, this isn't bringing me what I need. Then put it in the toolkit. Come back to it later. Right? Um, Today, you need something different. You know? I, had, I had a question about self-awareness. Um you know, there's a saying that like, you know, learn from your mistakes and stuff, but um, how do you recommend people like recognize when they make a mistake? Because a lot of times you just go in a fog, you know, kind of go through life and you don't realize mistakes you make or like, you know, people you hurt or, or people or interactions. Like, do you have any recommendations for how to rec like be aware of like mistakes you make and how you interact with everyone? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's interesting this conversation around how do you make mistakes. Come here, come here. Take this here. Um, this conversation around how do you know when you've made a mistake is <laughs> deep because there's there's on the one hand perfection, which means okay, I had this idea of how I wanted this thing to go. It didn't go that way. I'm really pissed about it, <laughs> you know? Um, or, so sometimes it's something you feel. And then there are times where, you know, okay, I made this massive Zoom presentation. It's supposed to go this way. People are supposed to log in. You know, 150 people on the line. Zoom crashes. It's my mistake. Like, and you can, or you can see it tangibly. So it's usually either something you feel or something that, like, happens. And you're like, oh, crap, Right. And I think, to your point, recognizing when you've made a mistake, whether it's something you feel, like, oh, I, I feel bad about that, or I feel, like, unsettled about that, or I feel like there's more to be done here, or it's something you can, like, very clearly observe in life, it is important to stop and to slow down and to recognize that and to, <laughs> to also say, like, it's okay, you know, um, <laughs> There, the story about the, the Zoom presentation is a real story um, from one of my clients who uh, worked for a pretty, you know, big name kind of uh, uh, Fortune 500, you know, um, per- person. And, and she was responsible for, you know, doing all the communications. And, and yeah, exactly. It was like 500 people on the Zoom and, and she totally bombed it and it, it, it deleted and it messed up and it disappeared and it, it totally messed up with their sales and all this stuff. And, um, <laughs> you know, these mistakes happen and you're right. A lot of podcasts and things talk about like, Oh, failure, you know, figure out failure. Da, 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 da. But we don't always talk about failure in our personal lives. We often talk about it in the context of business, but sometimes, you know, you're with somebody you care about and they really need you and you're not there for them, you know, and you make that mistake. Right. Or sometimes you exert, you know, your experience on somebody in a, in a moment of intimacy and, that was a mistake, right? Or sometimes you miss out on the love, love, you know, love in, in the moment of, of, you know, connection. Maybe that was a mistake. And, and I guess I just, I'm somebody who really frames it from the context of, like, everything does happen for a reason, even if we don't get to find out what that reason is. So that allows me in my life to walk with this level of, like, everything is cool, even when it's horrible. If somehow yeah. this is going to work out into something great, right? And and there's a saying that my husband and I kind of toss back and forth in moments like that, which is you're not being rejected. You're just being redirected, mm. right? Yeah. So in any moment where, like, you went for this big job or you went for this big relationship or you went for this big connection or whatever and it didn't work out and you're like, ah, oh, I'm so bummed. <laughs> okay, something, if you go back and think about it, that thing not going well sent you in this particular direction, right? That redirection and perhaps something really amazing, you know, has come out of it. Yeah, I think ultimately it comes to a question of trusting oneself, trusting the universe, trusting the, the movements of where things are and where they're going. Uh, really how that, that, you know, we have that, the idea of the trust fall, but that, that concept of that, um, that um, activity sometimes is very much actualized in the, in the mental activity of just like releasing and letting go so then we're not trying to control everything. We're not trying to, you know, obsessively trying to redirect things, but rather be redirected, right? Be flow, be in the flow and be allow, allowing the energy to flow as it needs to flow. 
So I tr- that trust is very important, and I think that, that I'm caring from you. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you believe in? And what do you what do you believe is the extent of trust? Like, you know, the, on the one hand, you know, the, the positive aspects of it are that, um, but then we don't want to get to the point where we're like letting go of like any kind of directional. We want to be intentional at the same time. You know, we want to be intentional and kind of create manifestation work. Seems to be important as well. That we're like um, on the other on the other hand or on the other end of the spectrum. It's like, you know, we, when we manifest what we need and what we want, when we ask the universe that, you know, like we want, we need something, we want something, uh, how we manifest that and how, to what extent do we exert um, kind of effort in order to gain the things we want? Mm. Yeah, what do you think about manifestation yeah. work? Yeah, yeah, very, very layered question. Um, very layered question. There's a couple things I could say about that. One I'll focus on the most, which is, the saying that we also I kind of hold in my life, which is, you know, uh, faith without works is dead. And I, I really don't remember where it came from. It's something that like I've heard along the years and I've carried with me. Faith without works is dead. And to me, that is like the perfect mashup of do stuff <laughs> and also let good things come your way. So, right be prepared, you know, do what you need to do to show up for the process, but know that like, you're not in control of everything. Something magical might happen when you actually let go and, 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 and see what's possible. And at the same time, you can, you can still prepare yourself. Right. So, um, if that means, I don't know, if you're looking for a new job and you're like, Oh, this new job is going to ma- magically come to me. I'm going to, I'm going to just like manifest it. And I'm just going to sit here and wait. That's not really exactly how manifestation works, right? You have to put the the work in. You have to write what you want. You have to visualize it. You have to get specific. You have to get clear. You know, you have to meditate on. There's all these different steps of of how you really do kind of energetically manifest something. And I feel like it does work when you believe that it'll work. And at the same time, if you're like, oh, this new job is just going to come to me, then there's this conversation of like, well, get your resume together, you know? Make a cover letter, do some research, apply in some places, talk to people you know, ask them if they know anybody who's hired, right? So that's yeah. the faith part, and that's the action part. And I think you do need both in order to, to bring things to fruition. Now, caveat, of course, is when you show up for the process, you have to be willing to allow the path to unfold. And to me, that means... Uh, I don't know, let's say you're living in New York, you want to move to California, and you need a, a job to do it, right? You need some, some money to make that happen. Well, maybe you get a job in Boston, and you're like, ah, oh, but I wanted the job in California. But what you don't know is you're going to take this job in Boston, right? And the person you work for is going to relocate and open up a branch in California, and they're going to take mm-hmm. you with them. But if you say no to the job in Boston... You may never get to Cali because you were like, oh, it has to happen this exact way. Yeah. And that's the thing I think people make big mistakes around is like, oh, I need to control all the aspects. got to happen the way that I want it to happen. And I'm going to reject anything that doesn't fit that mold. And I think sometimes you miss some really cool stuff. Yeah, I think it's very important to realize that, you know, things are very common. I think what I'm getting out of, you, out of that uh, example is that, you know, the, the chaos theory, the idea that the, – the idea that um, – Things we, we can't predict how, you know, butterfly flopping swings will have the effect, what effect it'll have. And, uh, you know, just kind of trusting. And, and when we put that intentionality into the soil, um, we have to trust that the, the result is ultimately, you know, when we play apple, apple seeds, we'll get apples and we plant, um, 
peach trees, peach seeds, we'll get peaches, all this kind of stuff. So the uh, natural result of putting a strong intention into the ground is that the, the intention will fruit, will become fruit that, that will, you know, if we don't interrupt that process, if we don't kind of interfere, then we have to just do the best we can to water and, and pl- take care of our intentions. But, you know, ultimately I think the, the, the greater intention, not those micro intentions, but the, the greater intention will be fulfilled, I think, you know. And the, there's also a term of calculated risk. It's like at yeah. some point you have to take a risk to progress and it, it can't be stupid or just, you know, damaging, but it, it is a risk to, to do like a, you know, move to a different location or go, you know, get student debt to go to grad school. There are things that are kind of risky, but it's, it, it's helps them to, to helps the people to, to do those, you know, when, when it's a good opportunity. Mm. Yeah. What do you yeah. Think? You, you'll find a lot of times that's exactly right. That, that, and to me, that falls right at like the faith without works is that like, that's the works part. You know, taking that step, making that decision, stepping out, allowing things to, to open up and, and unfold. And a lot of times I think you'll find in some of those really amazing stories of people, whether it's relationships or business or what have you, they, they did exactly what you said. They did exactly that. They did something that was unpopular or was kind of risky or was like, oh, you look back and you're like, what? That was crazy. And you're like, I was just thinking in the moment, like, what can I do to make this happen? And that was the catalyst that, that set it all off. And then everything kind of just like, you know, the universe rose up to meet them kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I just want to remind listeners, this is Radio for Brooklyn, the Truth to Power show. Um, we're here with co-host Colt Malson and uh, Helena, uh, who is the founder of Wellness Business Academy. Um, and uh, you can find out more about her at hellohelana.com, H-E-L-A-N-A-H. Um and yeah, and then we, I know you mentioned a little bit about kind of your journey into motherhood. I want to get a little bit into that as we start to, uh, get to our final 15 minutes. Um, so, uh, yeah, so if you could talk a little bit about how, how you do you kind of brush across a couple of the points about how motherhood has changed your life and how, and today, of course, is Father's Day, how parenthood in general kind of just changes your life. Um, so tell us a little bit more about kind of what you've learned and what kind of growth, uh, what kind of growth possibilities are there with, with having young children? Yeah. Um, thanks so much for, for, for plugging that info. I appreciate that. And, um, it's true, you know, uh, (laughs) transformation is abundant. Like it's so available to us, but sometimes it's the scariest thing ever. And, um, I could talk a lot about parenting, but I will try to keep it very succinct. (laughs) Um, You know, when you find out you're going to be a parent, it's like this rush of emotions, you know, the hormones are, are so real. And and then you go through the process of nine months of waiting for this baby to be ready to come. And that is like the pre-parenting phase, I feel like, because there's so much that happens, you know, during pregnancy that is preparation for what's going to happen in postpartum after the baby comes. And... um you just don't know you're being made ready. You're being made ready to be uncomfortable, to be tired, to be unsure, <laughs> to have to try things, you know, so much changes. And then the baby comes and it's this magical moment of fear and excitement and, and joy and devastation. And it's, everything happens at the same time. And, and then you kind of begin this, what they call the fourth trimester, which is the three months after the baby's born. Uh, you know, the nine months are broken up into three trimesters, three sets, three months, and then there's this, like, kind of proverbial fourth trimester. 
And it feels a little bit like, for, for us anyway, it felt a little bit like going to Las Vegas and being in the casino where it's like daytime all the time and there's like no real way to exit and they just want you to keep playing the machines. That's kind of what, <laughs> this one trimester felt a little bit like to us because we pretty much never slept and you just feel like you're in the twilight zone and you just there's no way out and you just got to keep playing. You know, you got to keep attending to this baby's needs of, you know, diaper changing and, and feeding the baby and, and trying to put the baby down for a nap. So that's like a super, super, super <laughs> short version of that period. And then, you know, you kind of really activate, I, I hope, my hope at least for most parents, and I'll say for myself as well now in retrospect, is that you start to trust yourself more, if nothing else. You know, we talked a little bit about that today, but start to trust yourself more like, whoa, all right. If you believe, like I do, that these kids chose us, right? Like I believe on some level, spiritually, I chose I chose my parents and everything that that brought with it, you know what I'm saying? Um, and my childhood and upbringing, all the amazing things and all the horrible things that I went through made me who I am, and I wouldn't change that for anything. So if you believe in anything like that, yeah, then you might also believe that this kid chose you for whatever reason. And that you're the parent that this kid needs and this kid is the the child that you need to to elevate. And I think parenting, like, okay, so if you're a single person in the world, you live your life, right? You have moments to have kind of this conscious awakening. And then when you couple, when you partner with somebody and you get married or whatever you do and you want to be with them, they serve as this mirror and they're an opportunity for you to elevate as well and vice versa. And then when you become a parent, I think it just goes to like the third level and you're like, whoa, you get another opportunity to see yourself reflected in somebody else. But this person has your actual DNA and they do the things you do and they say the things you say and they're mimicking you. And it's another level. It's an opportunity to then come face to face again with your shadow work and to see who you are and to see how you are. And so I feel like parenting is a gateway, you know, to elevation of self to evolution of self to this this conscious awakening within to the spiritual realization um and it's also very much a part of the material world but i think parents have a deep connection with their children and this realization has really given me the opportunity to look back at my own parents and to see them differently and i think when you become an adult or whatever at whatever point you see your parents as people and no longer as like these idyllic creatures (laughs) you realize that they were literally doing the best that they could do with what they had at the time and that they have a story too then i think it helps balance everything out and you take pressure off of yourself as a parent (laughs) you go back around and maybe apologize or do things in a new way for your own own parents and all the all the sacrifices they did for you and um i think that's so much of what the cycle of life is all about yeah, yeah, I think it's really great that you're exploring and we're exploring kind of the uh, fundamental belief systems and the, and the beliefs that kind of help us inform um, kind of our practice of reconciliation, of forgiveness, of of uh, kind of coming to terms. I think a lot of times it's, it's easy to struggle with, you know, the idea that, um, you know, that when things aren't going the way you hope or plan, the, the idea that, oh, if only things had gone differently and kind of second-guessing yourself or or kind of like um, regurgitating old choices or kind of like thinking about, you know, thinking past oriented rather than 
like trusting that in the past it, it um, has exhibited itself in the best way it could possibly have been, and that there there was re- reasons or the circumstances around past decisions, um, you know, gave rise to that, the the interdependence of all things that you know things arise because they are naturally. Uh, you know, just, just, just like an example of the apple seed gives rise to an apple. Um, you know, we understand that all things give rise to things that naturally occur, uh, from those circumstances causing conditions. So, uh, we have to just trust that things are producing what they need to be producing. That there's no like, you know, it's just the judgment that comes in, the judgment or the value judgment, the judging mind rather than the curiosity mind. You know, I think that that's one of the major phrases that comes out of the show that, Replace judgment with curiosity and being curious about well why did how do these things work and and why do these things work and uh, and being curious about it rather than being judgmental. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And you know, to add on to that, a lot of times that judgment is internal. Mm. It's not even other people telling us like these things. We are just telling ourselves and you know you're the only person with you all the time yeah so if you can get yourself talk right and you can <laughs> like you said replace judgment your self-judgment with this incredible zest and 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 just curiosity like that's really the whole battle truth be told you yeah. know I, I i feel like these situations that we go through these relationships we go through they're all just opportunities for us to to work out our own kind of kind of kinks and not you know in this world. And when we take those opportunities, we get an opportunity to we get a chance to level up and you know get closer to the you know that awakening that that consciousness that that kind of energy. And we also have free will, so we we also get to choose to ignore it and to deny it and to hide from it and to and whatever too. But you're, you're so right. Like a lot of times it's you being judgmental on yourself. Nobody else is telling you these things. And I think if anybody listening takes that moment to really check in with themselves, even the rest of today, right? Okay. Am I going to, okay, Halana, you know, I, I hear you talking to yourself in your mind. What are you saying? Right. And check yourself when you start to say negative things to yourself. That's a really good place to start, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, before we end, I just want to give a couple quick announcements. This is Radio for Brooklyn. You're listening to Radio for Brooklyn, independent listener-supported radio. Um, you know, uh, thank you for listening. If you'd like to donate, which, you know, is really great, uh, give, give, give. With, reno- with our revenue streams uh, evaporating, we need your help. We realize you may be hurting, too, during this COVID and the end of the COVID. Uh, if you can afford a small donation, we go a long way to help us stay on the air. The three ways you can help. First, you can give a one-time donation or monthly pledge. Go to RadioForBrooklyn.org slash donate. They can find some great T-shirts, mugs, and other swag that will help send you away. That will send you away to help say thanks. You can also use your phone to text RFB one two three to four four three two one. Takes only a moment, and you'll be able to use your digital off your donation. Finally, shop on Amazon. You go to Amazon.com/smile and register ready for Brooklyn as the um, nonprofit you wish to support. When you do a percentage of your sales, will go to RFB and will cost you nothing. No donation is too big or too small. Whatever you can afford will make a huge difference. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And we wish our listeners help and happiness as we weather the storm together. Um, if you're listening to RFB when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile apps on iPhone or Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or Google Play Store for Android. And be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for latest news about new programming and upcoming RFB events. You can sign up at radioforbrooklyn.org slash newsletter. Okay, good, good. So we have about four more minutes left. Um, 
So any last thoughts? I think that um, definitely we had a very engaging conversation about faith and about uh, inspiration and how we can kind of take all these things together to, um, you know, really produce a practice. And I think that's ultimately what the key there for me at least is, you know, practicing that. It's not going to come immediately. It's not going to be a snap of the finger and your whole life's going to be changed. But if you just practice at it, we'll slowly, slowly be able to produce results. You know, it's like an alchemy. Yeah, that applies to anything you want to do, mm-hmm. I think. Right? Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, any yeah, last thoughts I, on that? I yeah. Would... Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying any last thoughts on practice and how, how, uh, how that helps you. Yeah, I would, I would echo, I would echo that um, 100% and, and just add to it, you know, give, give it a try. Whatever you've got in your mind, in your heart, whatever comes to you, see if you can't just try it out. And when you, when you do that, you may find that you feel scared, you feel nervous, you feel uncomfortable. The more you can lean into those, those moments, the more you'll be able to handle <laughs> whatever amazingness is kind of coming your way. So stay encouraged. Right. Be willing to, to make mistakes, to fail, fail your way towards success, whether it's emotional balance, mental well-being, financial success, whatever success, whatever it is you're trying to get. And um, know that you're not alone. You know, mm-hmm. you're not the only person out here trying to figure this thing out. Right. We're all in this proverbial kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> what do they call it? Merry-go-round kind of a thing. Yeah. And um you know, there are, there are, there are things out there you can learn, listen to and support and just be encouraged. You know, life is absolutely worth living. You know what I'm saying? So Mm. just keep living, keep trying, keep seeing what's possible. Um, trust yourself, you know, keep practicing being uncomfortable and, and working through that. And I think at the end of the day, success is how you define it. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's really the, the highlight there. Yeah. It seems like, um, you know, what I'm getting also is from the, the kind of current there is that, uh, you know, kind of redefining what success and failure really is, not relying on other people's or sociological definitions of, oh, this is, this is a very narrow bowling alley version of what success is, but rather we should be more robust in our uh, holistic in our understanding of what success is, that we should try to understand that many different things could be successful and we are successful mm-hmm. in many different ways. And just trusting that and having faith and self-compassion for the fact that we've had so much successes to begin with. That we're still breathing. We're still in this life. That's a success, you know? Oh, yeah. 100%. For some people, success looks like, you know, and they say Americans are the ones that kind of uh, live to work and, and the rest of the world works to live, right? So, so for some people, success is is having a family. For some people, success is having a, a loving relationship. For some people, success is making a billion dollars. But yeah. I'll tell you one thing. Everybody doesn't even need a billion dollars, truth be told. <laughs> you know? So find, find your definition of success and, and let it evolve and let it breathe and, and, and go for what it is that you that your heart truly desires. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. This has been the Truth to Power Show. I'm Ready for Brooklyn. Uh, you can look at our back episodes at readyforbrooklyn.org slash truth to power. Uh, and uh, you can find out more about the show. Uh, find out more about me at vgrnathan.com and, uh, and hello, Helena, uh, com for our guest. Um, so thanks so much for being here. All right. Thank you. Take care. Have a good day. Have a thanks. good parents' day. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. It's very, very interesting. Thank, uh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Bye. Take care. Bye.